We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Uh, hello? Yo. Are we on? We are on. Okay. <laughs> so we just start? Hit record, let's go. Cold open, we're doing a KJ podcast, Taylor Price. We're doing a different podcast this week. I've been talking too much X's and O's, analyzing the whole team. Let's take a step back. Let's look at some funny storylines going around the team. Just some like old beefs in recent 49ers history. Maybe we'll kick it back to Kyle and what's going on. But Taylor's become a really good bud of mine. We've been hanging out a bunch. We've both obviously been on the scene a long time. And I'm happy to bring him on the pod. What's up? Hey, this is this is a real treat. Um, I didn't get the memo though. I got the all twenty-two queued up. I've been really going over <laughs> run fits, uh, personnel groupings. You know, dissecting the the cow mic'd up, trying to understand what chocolate door means. I'm confused, man. I'm really confused, dude. I'm glad you've been studying run fits because Eric Armstead's run fits this season have been on point to the point where Eric Armstead had to log on to Twitter Monday morning after a win. This is not after a loss. Eric Armstead, if you guys are unaware, um, had a Twitter outrage on Monday. And, and I, you know what? To give him props before we get into what he said, Brian Sakamoto has been riding his balls. This blogger who we're all friends with, he's in the locker room, um, called him out one too many times here. Have the tweets been deleted? Let's pull this up. Eric Armstead. Oh, man. It's classic stuff, man. This is the stuff we need to get us through a three and ten season. This is good fodder for podcasts, for clapbacks, memes. I respect that. him because it's not deleted. Beast writer, you're an amateur fanboy, wannabe reporter that has never played football at any level that people respect. You sell insurance during the day. You have no qualifications to speak on what I should be doing in a football game. That's tweet one. Uh, other highlights, I noticed you're never in the locker room anymore. Your credential got revoked. 
P.S. You're a little man with shorts, man. Complex lifting. All the weights don't help. Dude, I feel bad. Like He really went in to try and make Ryan Sakamoto feel bad about himself. Was, was, that a, was that a dig about wearing shorts or is that a typo about being a short man? This is so inside 49ers, but I feel like my audience understands this. I mean, Ryan is a reporter, but he he's a little unprofessional. The 49ers have allowed a couple fans to have credentials throughout the years, and he kind of, I guess, got loose with the, his lips a little too often here and rubbed some people the wrong way. I thought it was utterly amazing when I saw this on Monday. I couldn't work. You and I were texting. like I couldn't even focus on what was going on at my day job. I was like... Dude, Eric Armstead really just say all this? Is half of it true? Is half of it really mean? Pretty wild. This is not your normal KJ podcast, but this was kind of breaking 49ers news this week. Yeah, well, okay. Let me let me break this down in two sides. I'm going to give you the pro Beast Rider stance, and then I'm going to give you the pro Armstead, and we'll tie it back to football. So, hey, it's, it's tough going to the locker room, being at press conferences, uh, especially if you're not like a classically trained journo, like you didn't go to – an esteemed journalism program in college or wrote for the school paper, played, paid your dues. Um, I, t- I tip my cap to, to Ryan. I know it's, it's not easy to, to be a, a rub shoulders with Barrows and Mayoko, but um, he asked questions. He was trying to get reps. He was trying to get better. And um, he forged a lot of relationships with guys. You could see him being friendly, personable. Um, he wrote a lot of content. So when I worked for the team, I had, you know, I respected it, man. Like that's, that's your lane. That's what you're trying to carve out. Um, so no disrespect to him. I think uh, I give a guy, I give the guy credit for for work ethic and trying to produce content, and try to engage the fans and and build something. Much like what you're doing, it's cool to see entrepreneurial content. It doesn't have to be under the umbrella of an old newspaper or a TV show or TV station or Very radio. Good point. So Very good on point. that side, on that side, hey man, you know, plenty of stories to write, plenty of people to tell these stories. And diversity in the news force is good. You don't need these same corny old white dudes giving you the football news. So I'm happy with that. I'm happy with Ryan getting the chance to tell his stories. Now, pro Armstead, hey, we haven't heard much from him. We haven't seen so many belly rubs this year, not a lot of sacks. But if you study the PFF grades, you watch the tape, he's doing his job in the run game. He's getting better. And is a likable, likable player. He's a building stone for this defense. Now, is he DeForest Buckner good? No. Like, he needs to, to get better. But I think uh, what he did this week, what he said was, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to take the higher road as a professional athlete. But it's a good look that it shows his want to, his care, his passion, his hunger for his profession. It's not about just wearing nice, fancy cleats and rubbing your belly when you get a sack when you're down 21 points. There's a little fire under that under that belly for, for Eric Armstead. I think we showed he showed a little bit this week, and we see that uh, the guy cares about his craft. And I think it's a good sign for him. I'm happy that he did it. I also – Again, see the side of it for the the beast rider where he's trying to make a name for himself. And sometimes you got to take the L and keep it moving. Like people sometimes, like Meek Mill took an L in the Drake beef and still came back better than ever. So hopefully, uh, them them two can uh, you know cr- uh, break bread and, and you know cr- squash the beef and move forward. That's that, that's what I like to see. That was an eloquent breakdown of exactly what happened. And yeah, I guess the problem is with the criticism is that Armstead's kind of been good this year. I've been saying it a little on my pod. They're probably going to pay him $9 million next year. Is he first-round pick? No, but you kind of got to accept he is who he is. It would be hard to replace him in free agency. He's, he is doing well against the run fits. Um, Sakamoto, dude, I've messed up as well. I, I've said dumb things. I, I've pissed people off on Twitter. I, I've never seen it to this degree and the tweets not be deleted. 
Shout out to Ryan. I know he's working at 49ers Fit too. Maybe, you know, they'll, they'll mend some fences there. I, I, I'm with you. But uh, shocking, to say the least, on Monday. Yeah, if anything, this is just brings more attention to what Eric Armstead is doing. I've been critical of him. Uh, you watch some of his tape where he's trying to – he's getting stoned at the line of scrimmage. He's trying to do swim moves. He doesn't have much of a bull rush. Um, but also, too, in the scheme uh, – he, he he's not like an edge player. He's more of an interior guy. So you're probably not going to see double digit sacks from someone like him, but the, the strides that he's made, the commitment, the the intensity that he's been playing with over the last few weeks are all good signs for his development. And even if he gets Twitter fingers after a win, he's feeling himself a little bit. Uh, it was, it was fucking hilarious. And, I, and I'm glad he did. I think that shows a little bit of a maturity where he feels comfortable in his own skin where, you know what? Beast Rider, I'm going to call you out for the for wearing the shorts and having that shorts man complex. I guess I started the other beef on 49ers Twitter, per se, this week, calling out my boy Grant Cohn. I, I want to preface this by saying mm. Grant and I have a good relationship when we are in person together. I really like watching football practice with him. I really like bantering about football. Sometimes he becomes cyber Grant. Sometimes the Skip Bayless stuff takes over a little bit. And he wants to put something out there. I believe he was on your podcast last week and said he does want his opinion to matter. He's willing to take stances like this to gamble if he's correct. I think the tweet was that Nick Mullins' win over the Broncos is better than any win Jimmy Garoppolo had. Dude, I hate dunking on people like this, but I I felt it necessary. Dude, I I don't just go for retweets or likes either. I I go for how I, I see it. Your, your take on this, Taylor. You're a casual observer. You're friends of both people. A- am I right to dunk on Grant? Is he allowed yeah. to say? Well, is he allowed to say these things? Or look, I, I got to keep the media in check too. He's calling me out for not covering games anymore, dude. I don't want to. I've graduated from that. I can say 49ers thoughts wherever I am in the world, and people are going to listen. So um, I, I want to squash the beef with Grant. Maybe I'll have him on this podcast for a quick segment. Quick, quick segment. You, you taking a dedicated episode? Oh, that's cold, man. More power to him. We are talking about him. It's clear he's, he had a poor relationship with Chip Kelly. I'm sure he has a poor one with Kyle. I feel a little bit bad for him. You know, I lost my dad. My dad passed away. He's trying to live up to his dad and be that. There's, there's a complex there. A lot to unpack here about Grant. I want you to try and do that for us. Okay, well, let me say this. Grant Cohn and I are not friends, but we might we might build a friendship over time. I think there's a there's a common respect or understanding there where um, now that I'm independent and, uh, you know, on this independent label, so to speak, if you want to bring it in uh, rap terms, <laughs> I, I don't have to I don't have to go with the, the flow and do what everyone does. I like to be a contrarian with my my opinions and such where Twitter is is that where if you say something negative or something that is counter to the trend or what the theme is of the audience. Like 49ers Twitter wants to have their belly rubbed and hear about how positive things are. Uh, he's going to, he's going to, you know, strike some nerves. Now the, the whole point of having Grant on the show is I, I wanted to have a little bit of a friendly debate and be respectful and understand each other's point of views where I don't think Kyle Shahan should get fired. I think you're going through the growing pains of a young coach who's learning how to get better and process and manage a full program um, and, and get better over time. But we, we talked it out. We hashed it out and had different, you know, agreements and also disagreements. And I think that's the cordial side of Twitter. Now, you two going back and forth, and I think that's it's good. It's good for it. I don't think he takes himself too seriously where, uh, if anything, he's not trying to throw hands or, or it's on site where he sees you and he wants to scrap. Like, that's not, like, at it, but at all what it is. But I think it's entertainment. I think it's Twitter. It's not, like, that big of a deal. So if you want to go back and forth with him and, and – 
teach him why he's wrong. And if he wants to take the high road and use the press pass as his uh, fodder or his uh, clapback material, then that's how he's playing that. But if you're if you're asking me to uh, to assign a point or an award, uh, who's winning this one? I think you got to let it play out and let's see if if Nick Boland is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't see that happening, so I'm going to side with you on that. But the sport and the the sparring that V2, I think it's good for business. It's 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 good for ratings, and I'm here for it. I want to help Grant. I know what he's trying to do. Be the contrarian, as you said. The points that he should make are that Kyle is an offensive coordinator. I mean, he, he does make these points sometimes. You just can't make the headlines so bombastic, dude. There's a way to actually channel this and use the right verbiage. But I, I get it, though. You know, you grow up around an old-school journal like his dad and read some of the old press clippings. Like, it, it used to get nastier. It's funny how everything gets to play out on Twitter. Kudos to the 49ers for posting the mic up of Kyle. It's always awesome to get an insight to how he acts on the sidelines. Um, I, I noticed they omitted some F-bombs from the videos that the 49ers post on their Twitter account. Kyle, he's been caught, what, five, six, maybe ten times this year muttering F-bombs? It's, a, it's hilarious to me that he's appealing the $25,000 fine. I get it. Russell Wilson was throwing the shoe. like, and He, he could have ran on the field if he wanted to. But um, I think Kyle should eat this one. It's 25K. You've, you've kind of – he's gotten pissed off quite a bit on the sidelines. Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to the growing pains of being a head coach. Like Kyle, he's not – you know, he's, he's somewhat camera ready, but he's not a diplomat or he's not necessarily the, the spokesman. That's John Lynch. That's what John Lynch does. He's the polished player, person in front of the camera. Kyle will be honest. He'll be off the cuff. He'll let his emotions get the you know best of him. He'll fly off uh, the the hinges and and curse out a referee if he thinks he's getting the, the raw deal. And he'll he'll cuss on the sidelines. You see that in Mike Dust and, and the things like that. So I think that comes with the territory over the course of time. He'll probably tone it down or, or know how to when to push those buttons. But you see Belichick. He's he's cursing at Adam Thielen. Like you see these veteran coaches. They it's an emotional game. There's high stakes, high intensity. You've been on sidelines, Kevin. You know uh, the car crashes, the violence, just that adrenaline that comes with being on the field, in the in the arena, so to speak. So I, I don't have a problem with Kyle's emotions. If he wants to appeal it, whatever. It's it's one of those things where you're 3-10 and 10 and uh, you're not yeah, really in the, the thick of things. So it's like, hey, here's our coach mic'd up. Uh, here's the Pro Bowl votes that you want. we want you to get around. Um, there's just not a lot of interesting stories around this team right now. So – and that's the thing that always bothered me about the media. Like, I know you have to report on fines. It's sort of an NFL news cycle. But I could care less if a millionaire has to cut a $20,000 check for an F-bomb or a socks are wrong. Like, I get it. It's like the injury report, limited DMP. There's certain things you have to report as a beat writer. But for me, when I was covering the team, like, I could care less. I have no sympathy for a millionaire having to write a $20,000 check. Yeah. No, I just – you're right. He's allowed to appeal. But it's kind of funny, like – you know his kids are seeing these clips coming out of him being like, what the F? Yeah. Well, hey, you need a you need an F-bomb shirt. You have to trust the Shanna plan. So maybe it's like Kyle F in Shanahan or something. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. It's actually our number one seller, but I kind of feel guilty printing shirts that say trust the plan when the team is losing all the time. You know who's not losing this offseason – is Jimmy Garoppolo and Bose. They struck a partnership. They they've have a nice little exchange going on where Jimmy posts a couple photos, tags them in the post. I'm all about 
my sponsors. I'm all about ads and, and brand awareness like this. I, I, I respect it. Surprised we haven't seen a Scott McLuhan tweet being like, hey, Jimmy G, not a leader, posting photos with, with a sponsor tag. Uh, man, you, you hate to see that these days. Yeah, Scotty, yeah, Scotty Mac. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. You're right on the on that one to call out the oddness of Jimmy Garoppolo. Where, uh, where's he been? What's he doing? You know, we saw him full full board TMZ, and and then uh, the Jordan sponsorship, and things are looking up. And uh, you know, I think in a weird way, it, the injury sucked and it sets back his progress. But in a way, he, you have to evaluate this team without Garoppolo, and you probably weren't going to see. I don't know if they would have won ten games with Garoppolo fully healthy. They didn't build the team around him enough to a point where they could fully evaluate him. So this this year for me is a gut check of their team's just not good enough. They need to spend money. They need to draft well, make trades, just get some more talent, some more see more some more horses on the team. But yeah, Garoppolo is weird because he's not playing, but he has all these obligations of sponsorships. So you're not seeing him posting like rah rah. Here's me on the field. But here's us after win. You're seeing these like cheesy like I'm focused. I'm locked in. I'm going to my rehab with my Bose headphones. Uh, not a good look for your franchise quarterback. Uh, I'd like to see hear more from him. I don't think he should be hiding. Um, I know if I was working for the team right now, we always try to get uh, Bowman rehab or or whoever rehab. We were trying to tell those stories in PR and, and football ops would always nix that stuff. They would never let the star player do the road to recovery. Uh, which is super frustrating, and I think if I'm inside that building, I'm trying to get Jimmy G to do anything—a podcast, uh, a video series, something—and they're probably getting stone, you know, blocked off from doing that. And that's too bad because you don't have to go on the field. I mean, I'd be really interested to know what he's thinking, how he's watching the game, what his thoughts are. Holmes, we're getting none of that. The guy is an MIA. He's he's posting, you know, headphone advertisements, and we can't get to know him at a deeper level. That's really frustrating. Yeah, because I would like to know. He should have headphones in every game. He should be understanding every play call. Obviously, he should be in every team meeting. I, I wonder what his rehab schedule is. It is going to be everything for this team to turn around, for him to be the star quarterback. I love the idea. The position is that important. Kyle, we already know you've mastered this. Like, let some other people. That's the other rumor floating out this week. QB's coach, Rich Scangrillo, um, has been a hot OC candidate, according to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. I believe it. And having known some of these assistant coaches, talked with them at the Combine, I knew that his rise was going to be pretty quick because of Jimmy G. And now he picked out Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has come in. And there's no debate. He's not even close to C.J. Beathard. I get the opponents have been lower quality, but the way he gets rid of the football, the timing and rhythm of the offense, as you say, how it looks on tape, the run fits. (laughs) Um, Nick Mullins, are you surprised? Is he on the team next year? I, I like this guy. I also think Rich Scangrillo could be gone because of his success. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I know nothing about... Uh, Sangria, Sangrillo. Um, other than that, he's got the magic dust of the Kyle Shannon, McVay, um, Lafleur, those types, those thirty-somethings. That that seems to be the trend. If the offensive rules are in play, or that the rules are prohibiting the defense from making contact and hitting over the middle, 
Uh, it's becoming a passing league. You're seeing the teams that are able to put up 30-plus points. They're the top of the division. They're, they're in the thick of things. So who wouldn't want to hire someone that's had uh, success and is basically being schooled up on how to run an offensive program by Kyle Shannon? That makes a ton of sense. Now, how that translates to Nick Mullins and what we've seen from him, I'll tell you what, man, like I had zero expectations. I thought it was a joke that he was playing against the Raiders. I, I, I just – if I could have, and I would, I would hate to do this, I probably would have put my life savings on the Raiders to win that game just because I thought a third-string quarterback, I, that's the thing. If you don't go to practice, you don't know. You're not really watching the preseason or giving it that, that same thought. And I, I will eat the humble pie. I've, I've been pleasantly impressed. There were some tough moments. The Tampa Bay game wasn't that great. Uh, the first half of the, the uh, uh, Seahawks game wasn't that great. But, hey, he's thrown for a lot of, of yards the last two weeks, uh, four of his five starts. 250 plus yards. Um, I like the kid. I think, and I hate saying kid because I feel like that's kind of the old, old uh, blowhard sports writer move. But uh, I think he's a good player. I think there's something there, and I definitely don't want to see any more CJ Beathard. So, if you ask me, what is the most promising or how we're going to remember 2018? Is like the Niners got a backup quarterback, and that's a great thing to have. You've seen uh, Garoppolo not be able to play 16 games, let alone six games in a row. Every team in the NFL needs to have two good quarterbacks, and the Niners have one that they can win with. They can beat the Broncos at home, a playoff team, a Von Miller-led team. Uh, that's a good thing. C.J. Beathard would not make that, that game competitive. He would be getting sacked. He would be getting the ball. Whoa, uh, whoa, hold on. C.J. Beathard did I'm, make I'm, – I'm, I'm from I'm Mullins. I'm Team Mullins now. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Team Mullins too, and I'm also that C.J. would have made the game competitive, but they would have – lost and it, it sucks that the, the third round pick is probably going to be a waste but i'm okay with keeping three quarterbacks next year just because the uncertainty of jimmy g and because you don't want to sign mark sanchez josh johnson we're not getting into kaepernick i love the guy but i mean it, it's just off the table that's not coming back kyle's not going to make that reunion so um nick mullins yeah you're right the season will be remembered partly because of him there's three tough games to close i'm not expecting too much from him but it, it seems like he can throw 270 every week, minimize mistakes, have the offense in a, in a competitive field. Will the 49ers get the number one pick? That's the biggest storyline remaining. I think they're going to lose the Seahawks. The Bears game, it's a coin flip. They might be, ah, the Bears are really good. But they could have things wrapped up by that point in the NFC North, so you never know. And then the Rams, who benched their guys last year, I think Jared Goff and the starters play most of the game against the 49ers, so they're feeling good heading into probably a first-round bye. Do you think? Do you think they want the first round pick? Do you do you think John Lynch and Kyle are, are saying like, "Hey, we want the first pick. We want that pressure." I think that they are dumb if they're not having this conversation about losing games to close the season. And yeah, that, does that mean doing more risky game plans and being like, "Hey, let's try and win"? If you know we give all these hard passes to Nick Mullins and he can't execute them, hey. We lose, but at least he tried. He got to learn. Or let's call these different schemes. Or they tried it last week. They played Marcel Harris and everyone. They, those guys ended up being better. So I, I think they are. They have an eye towards the future. It looks like if they at least have a top two pick, they're going to get an edge rusher. Josh Allen is flying up draft boards. It's early. He's an edge rusher from Kentucky. He's got great size, 6'5", 260. Tape looks pretty good. Got some bend. Do this and that. Um, my question to you, if it's Nick Bosa and they do get the number one overall pick, I'm not from here. I totally get the Bay Area's liberal. Nick Bosa is going to come in with a lot of pressure on him, having not played in a while. And he's going to come in with the t 
tag of being kind of a, associated with MAGA and Trump. I, I, I really, I, you know, I don't talk about this stuff on this podcast, guys. It's normally X's nose. I don't like that going against him here and him underperforming year one and, and him lashing out or doing something. That does scare me a little bit. And I guarantee the team talks about his status with that stuff because it's the Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair conversation to have, but I don't think that would stop uh, Niner fans from being supportive of the team. I think you can keep the politics aside. and Yeah, sure, Kaepernick's situation sparks some debate and some feelings, uh, but the Niners are a, a global brand, a global team. They are followed all over the country, in the South, uh, you know, up North, uh, in the Midwest, so... Uh, I think you, you won't necessarily have to worry about how that plays in the Bay Area. Now, I think the bigger issue is if, if someone's been arrested or domestic violence or a Reuben Foster situation, um, if there's legal issues, that's where the fan base might step in and say, what are we doing? Are we going down this road again? Uh, political affiliations aside, I don't think that's an, an issue. The bigger issue for me on Bosa is the guy uh, quit on his team, left early to, to prepare for the draft, and oh, his brother. Are you Scott McLuhan? His brother held out. His brother was trying, you know, missed half of his rookie season because he was trying to uh, get a certain, you know, and you could go with a different route of what the Chargers were offering and the contract structure and whatnot. But I think there's some character concerns about just how the Boses operate. Are they all about football? Are they football guys? Or are they trying to cash in and be profitable uh, Gronkowski types uh, and not so much about the football? That's my concern. You know, we both have hot takes on Nick Bosa. There's going to be more coming out. I think this offseason is going to be very fascinating for the 49ers. Pierre Garçon is going to be gone. Malcolm Smith is going to be gone. Some of the first retreads they brought in are going to be gone. Some have been hits. Kyle Juszczyk, like they've they've had their fair share of hits and misses. Uh, someone who played well last week that I wanted to give a shout out on the podcast is Solomon Thomas. Had, I believe, seven mm. pressures uh, against the Denver Broncos who really are – they're not a good football team. I can't believe how many wins they have. 49ers mostly walked over them. But Solly T, he, he lacks the athleticism. I don't think he's ever going to be a big-time sack guy. But with a Bosa or a Josh Allen in the fold, he becomes a rotational piece. He, he plays less snaps, so the snaps are more meaningful. Maybe he's more fresh. I don't know. I I was so anti him for so long, and now that I've gone so far to zero on him, I'm like, you know what? He could be worth a little bit. But at the same time, 49ers fans have to just expect he's never going to be a star player. Yeah, well, okay. So you mentioned the, the hurries and, and, and all that. I think the key stat for me these these next few weeks is snap count. Because you're seeing, you know, the Earl Mitchells and Marquise Goodwins of the world. Malcolm Smith just slowly kind of fade in the in the background like that. Homer Simpson stepping back into the bush, Jeff. Like, these, that's, a, that's a deep cut for you. The young guys are going to get these chances to play. And now whether that ties into a tanking philosophy, you got to evaluate Solomon Thomas. you got to give him all the third down pass rushing reps uh, and all those things. So I think snap count is a big indicator of uh, the progress or what they're giving him the chance to fully develop. And you, you can properly uh, evaluate him in, in those situations. Earlier in the season, if he's not getting it done, you're still in the thick of things. You're trying to see if you can be competitive. I get it. Don't put Solomon Thomas on third down. He's not winning those matchups. He's not helping the defense. Hey, you're 3-10. and 10. Uh, Shit's gone awry. Let's see him on third down, what he can do in a pass rush situation. It is aggravating as hell to see a top-five pick come off the field on third down when he's supposed to have his hand on the dirt and uh, you know, rushing, uh, beating a guard in the interior. Um, can he become a difference maker, a game wrecker per se? 
I, I don't know, but I do know that uh, he did miss his first training camp as a rookie. He's had some family drama, you know, the sister's uh, suicide, which is super unfortunate. You don't know how what that what that does to a player. Um, I think year three for him is almost like his year two. And year two, to quote the great Jim Harbaugh, the best strides you can make as a player is after you've had that full uh, season, you can turn the page and you can spend it uh, rehabbing and sort of properly training for your next NFL season. Uh, to me, he doesn't feel like a finished product yet, but you're right. The the, the clock is ticking uh, and you want to see him be a difference maker. Otherwise, it's just going to aggravate people more and more when you see him on the field and he's wearing Justin Smith's number and he's playing like a third of what Justin Smith pr- produced on the field. They have a tough decision to make this offseason. It's going to be on John Lynch. Does he want to add another person in addition to Adam Peters? Adam Peters helped draft Paxton Lynch. The Broncos are not in the best position right now. They kind of stumbled into Vaughn Miller. Was he steering the ship to get Solomon Thomas to overlook Reuben Foster's issues? That's going to be their toughest decision they make. If they don't add someone and next year they suck, John Lynch is going to be in huge trouble. If they add someone, you know, you can say they tried to solve some issues here. So they've got a choice to make. I don't think Robert Sala is getting fired. I, I do believe after the Seahawks game, he was on the hot seat and there's discussions internally about his job. I, I don't think they just have a good enough replacement for him if someone they felt really comfortable with. They're entrenched in the Seahawks scheme. I don't think they're going to start and, and redo this thing over. Earl Thomas seems like he's going to make sense. Offseason, do you have any predictions? What, what do you think is going to happen with this football team? Okay, here, here's okay. you bring up the draft, and there's a lot of intriguing players, and they're, they're like the unknown. You don't know who's going to translate. Now, the Kentucky player, Allen, is, is promising double-digit sacks in that competitive conference. Love that. That's a good pedigree and something you can build on for sure. He's not he's not getting sacks on scrubs. Uh, but the, the untapped market or the unknown that I wish the Niners would spend more time uh, rolling the dice on, what they do with Garoppolo, is the trade market. Um, I would love to see a Chandler Jones or – um, someone on that ilk of a team that you know is blowing it up that is, is so far away that they have a piece that you can dangle a mid-round pick. The Niners can afford it. They can take the you know they have the caps uh, money to spend. Um, why not throw a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick or, or some sort of scenario? You see it every single year. These contenders pick up a quality veteran piece for a mid mid to low-level pick you're not guaranteed to cash out on that pick. You see a third round pick be a CJ Beathard or a second round pick, uh, because, you know, be used as a, I can't even remember any other second round picks are probably not that good. Uh, Dante Pettis is making some strides, but the point being the trade market, like kick some tires on, on, uh, you know, Chandler or somebody of that ilk. Uh, I know Clowney is going to be a free agent. You probably won't be able to get him cheap, but I think the trade market for me is, it's something interesting to explore. Uh, I talked about this with Grant on the podcast. Give, give Grant some more airtime. The team is so young and happy-go-lucky. They need some ass kickers. They need some tough, mean, veteran, salty uh, guys. And I'm not talking about, like, dirty and criminal, you know, none of that. I'm talking about guys that you know uh, bring the lunch, play hard, play with that intensity. Um, you need more Ronald Blairs, more George Kittles, guys that you can tell when you're watching the game. Uh, they passed the eyeball test. They are competing. Uh, they're not, you know, whiffing on tackles like a kill Witherspoon. So I need, they need more vets. They need more solid vets, and I think trading uh, for them is is an option. You can't crown somebody in the top five like another Solomon Thomas and an impact player. It's a transition coming into the pros, and you're you're playing uh, at a physical position against grown men who are five years uh, older, if not long, you know, more tenure, more experience, have more 
better skills and craft than you. And to expect them to come and have double-digit sacks right away is unrealistic. So trade market for me, uh, I would be working the phones like crazy if I'm John Lynch. I think that is a, a nice win, and then he can supplement that with the draft picks. They can't sit on the sidelines of free agency. They've got to, like you said, add veterans somewhere. They kind of whiffed on Pierre Garçon. I don't think it'll be Randall Cobb. I don't think it'll be Golden Tate. His stock kind of got hurt in Philly here. I don't care where it is. Like Weston Richburg, I don't know if he was been worth all that money. Yes, the run game is better, and we'll see what it looks like with Jimmy G. They might have to go even splashier than that. Um, they've kind of gone. Off. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love any of the free agents. McKinnon. I, I mean, I hope he can turn it around, but. It's been tier B free agents, yeah, and and you don't want to go full Dan Snyder Redskins and just you know go for the Willy Wonka ticket and just act like you've you've won everything and 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 really spend. But they're going to have to be very smart about this. I'd be shocked if Earl Thomas does not visit here with Richard Sherman already in place with that kind of deal. And and I've said I don't love that because now your secondary is really old and you've got a small window. But they've got to fix that hole. They've got to have someone back there at free safety who's damn good every week. They're going to get the edge rusher. It's it's clear because we knew these issues going into the season. You know what I mean? Like they, They've got leaks in their house, and they can't have buckets anymore. They've got to call the contractors to come in and fix up the house. Yeah, Earl Thomas to me is like the Larry Fitzgerald of defense. Uh, and I say that meaning like he could probably play until he's 40. The guy's in great shape, um, knows the game, and he can play – when you have that mentality or that, you know, mental awareness and you know the scheme, like the back of your hand, you don't necessarily have to run that 4-4 that you did when you came out of college. So uh, he'll be be in the right positions and hopefully uh, he'll be interested and they can make that happen. I would love uh, for Earl Thomas to come here. I know it sounds weird saying it because I don't like the Seahawks and don't like that they're running the scheme, but if you're going to get it, might as well get the best people that know it and can can, uh, execute at the best level. Uh, The other thing I want to point out is, you know, trades are interesting to me. I want to see the Niners get really creative with contracts where in the NFL, it's so much of a one year. You're seeing this trend of like an all Sean Jeffrey, take a one year deal and then cash in after the fact, why not front load, spend a, a bigger contract on that one year deal and see if you can get some goodwill where Earl Thomas will come in and enjoy the program, enjoy Kyle, enjoy being with Sherman. And then when it's time to re up, then, you know, you have kind of a leg up on that negotiation. If it doesn't work, you cut ties. And on top of that, you're using some of that salary cap money and you're trying to build a, a winner and tell the fans that, hey, uh, we're not just rolling over $50 million every single year and have Beyonce concerts. We're actually committed to winning and playing football. So uh, I think Perot gets a lot of credit for being a, a, a wizard in negotiations. He gets overs on players all the time. They're really good about identifying when Navarro Bowman or Joe Staley. Joe Staley is criminally underpaid. He's been underpaid his entire career because Prague and them are always quick to offer – uh, contracts in advance of coming into free agency. Uh, be creative with deals. Try to get one-year offers. Try to make trades. Uh, there's got to be a, a new approach and not just offering five five years, $50 million to every single Western Richburg of the world. I think they got to be a little more creative with their, their approach because it's a lot of money to come to the area, the taxes and all that. You're not just going to get somebody on a weather contract. No one's out here for the sunshine. They're all here to get paid and, and win. Shout-out to Eric Armstead for the content this week. Shout-out to Grant Cohn. Shout out to Kyle's F-bombs. Uh, really good discussion here with Taylor Price. You did not want to hear analysis on the Seahawks. You did not want to hear me talk about Nick Mullins. There's a lot of good off-the-field, I don't want to say drama, but storylines going on on this football team. It was great to address them with Taylor. Thanks, man. That was a treat. And I really hope they shut up Frank Clark and they, they beat the Seahawks. It's been like 
10 years since we beat Seattle. Uh, turkey legs on the 50-yard line, the Navarro Bowman getting popcorn thrown at him, all this drama. Like, it's, it's time to beat the Seahawks once and for all. Please, let, let this be the weekend. Oh, please, no, dude. Do you really want to do that and then end up drafting Greedy Williams with the third overall pick at corner and he's not good, he's going through struggles? Like, No, lose out, be in the right position, bring in someone to help you in the front office. Even if it's a consultant, bring in a consultant for this draft to see, hear what they have to say. Taylor, that's my boy. We do have to mention Blue Wire Pods before we hang up. BlueWirePods.com. Dude, we're up to 16 podcasts. We're hiring video people. We're hiring bloggers. We're hiring a bunch of different people. We're scaling this thing in 2019. I'm talking to a lot of people who are interested. And I'm talking to people who have money, who are paid, who are going to help us all get paid as we build this thing to beat KMBR, to beat 95.7 The Game. They're behind the times. You're listening now. You still care about this podcast. Share it to your friends. Go to the website. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you again Sunday night. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, appreciate it, man. It was a good time.